You are joining us, I think it's about halfway through this series on how people grow. It's an amazing book, it's an amazing course, and I've really enjoyed it. It's been one of the the best courses for me, both personally and pastorally, just in terms of my growth and helping others grow. Uh, And as Dennis joked last week, which is absolutely true, of all the preaching series I've ever been part of in this church, this is the only book that I've gone back and read. Uh, I don't know what that says. You know, even when Linda or Dennis has done a talk, I've, I felt like that's been a good talk, but I've needed to go back and find out even more. It's been great. Um, so I encourage you, if you haven't already, buy the book. Even after this series is long gone, just continue to refer to that. There's some really basic stuff in there, but it's absolutely fantastic. Um, the essential message of the series is, is basically if you want to grow, if you want to flourish, if you want to become the best version of yourself, then um, one of the things you need to do is, first of all, is, is um, kind of come to the end of yourself. You need to realize that just trying harder doesn't really work. In fact, if you try harder and harder and harder, what happens is you continue to make the same mistakes, but a bigger and bigger and bigger level. Uh, that's generally what happened with me, and that's, that's generally what happens when we just try. And what we need to do is come to the, come to the end of ourselves, stop necessarily just trying to figure things out, and, and ask for help. And one of the best things to do is, first of all, when you, when you get there, you're about halfway. When you go beyond that and ask God for help, then he's able to input in your life. He's able, as we've done through the series, just to direct that. But also, as Linda spoke about a few weeks ago, uh, we also go beyond that. And we realize that God uses people, uses each other to help us grow and help us kind of refine our, how we're developing. So this week, I'm speaking on, uh, this is the subject, becoming a righteous person and discipline. Now, I'm, I'm looking at your faces. I know that every single one of you has been dying to hear this kind of talk for ages. You've been, you've been like watching the calendar. You know, these are the subjects that you kind of go to sleep thinking about, right? Uh, then, and, uh, and I'm going to ask you that you show me some grace and, and bear with me as I work my way through this. But um, simply, if I just translate this into kind of my own language, becoming a righteous person literally just means becoming the best version of yourself. And discipline, for all that we apply to it, basically just means um, getting the help that you need. If we can keep those, if we can keep those in our minds, then we'll, we'll make a lot more progress and, and kind of stop uh, our preconceptions of what these words mean. The, the verse in the book that it kind of refers to is in Matthew 6.33, and it says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Another kind of religious-y language thing. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you well. Let me just quickly unpack that before I go into the main bulk of my talk. All these things refers to anything in your life that you are anxious about, that you're concerned about, that you're worried about, that you just need resolved. All these things is the resolution to all those. They may be current challenges that you're going through or future concerns, anything that just kind of keeps on niggling away at your mind. So, for example, it could be a, a marriage that's you know, just a little bit more difficult than you anticipated it to be. It could be you know, you're actually just struggling to hold down a relationship or get into a relationship. It could be uh, a current job situation that you're trying to resolve or even the worry or fear about a future uh, career path. You're not really sure where you're going. Or it may just be personal insecurities, things that you just know and you hope that no one else has seen in you, but you just kind of really want worked out inside of you. And all these things basically means that um, when you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be given to you as well. Basically what it's saying is if you first seek his kingdom, God's kingdom and his righteousness, 
then all of those things will, will become a non-concern for you. you won't, they'll either be resolved, they'll be solved, they'll, you'll find a solution to them, or you'll be given the peace in order to move on from them, not be held back by them. <clears throat> Another way of translating seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, as I said, that's quite a religious term. Uh, the easiest way to look at that is seek God and be godly. In other words, seek first his kingdom, his kingdom, his ways, the way he works, the way he is, the way God is. So if you seek God and who he is and what he is and what he's like, you're seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. If you're, if you're putting that into practice, if you're taking what you see in God and you're taking what you see uh, him doing and you just put that into practice, it's no longer just a thought process. It's the becoming godly. It's, it's working out those actions in real life. It's becoming a righteous person. So that's a quick unpacking of that verse. So let me just go through those two things, really. Seek God and be godly. The first thing, seek God. Okay, so a few weeks ago, I shared my story on um, um, how I just kind of came out of the, um, of the police station, and I come to the end of myself, and I had no idea what I was going to do. And I eventually turned for help, and I turned to God for help, and I relied on God, and, and that's how I kind of came to get into a better place. And when I first started coming to this church, I was absolutely, I felt alive. I felt on fire for God. I felt like I could really achieve anything. I, for the first time ever, I, like, I, I felt like I heard God's voice in my life. And his words of affirmation, his words of encouragement, his words of guidance. Not only that, I, I felt like when I was praying for other people, I could um, feel and see and, and give words of encouragement to people that I wouldn't even have imagined I'd have been able to do. I was just like absolutely flying high. I felt cleaner, I felt stronger, I felt freer. But that lasted about a year, um, and, and I'm sure a lot of you will resonate with this. Well, after about a year of being a Christian, I looked at my life and I thought, I haven't changed much at all. I felt a bit better, but I still struggled. I looked at my life, I still realized I had those same insecurities. I still had those same struggles, those, I couldn't hold down a relationship still. I, I, I still struggle to progress anywhere in life. I just nothing seemed to happen. I felt a bit better. I felt like I was in a nice place, but just really couldn't get any further. And, um, and one of the other things is uh, I struggled with a lot of insecurities. I would love to go into detail about all my insecurities, you know, be vulnerable and all that, but not totally there yet. Um, and uh, one of the, as I said, I've struggled with insecurities. In fact, um, one of the, uh, one of, a guy in this church, I think it was earlier this year, maybe last year, he, uh, he kind of pulled me aside in church and he just said, you know, I really am amazed at the work God has done with you over the years. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really encouraging. Now, in all theory, I should have stopped there and just taken that compliment and walked off. But for some reason, I felt like I had to qualify it. And I said, oh, really? So what was I like when I first came to church? And uh, he said, without any hesitation, he said, you were really arrogant. I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but the truth is, I was really arrogant because I was so insecure, so unsure of myself, that I had to put on this bravado, this, this confidence, this arrogance, in order to get what I wanted or what I didn't even feel like I deserved. And so I pushed through. But those insecurities and all those other things really kept on niggling away at me. They kept on pulling me down. You know, I honestly thought that being a Christian was supposed to be easier. I thought it was supposed to be more peaceful. I thought there was supposed to be hope and power in it. But yeah, I struggled and struggled. And you know, on top of all of that, people kept on telling me I needed to change. They, I mean, they were nice about it. They were polite about it. They came alongside me. They encouraged me. 
But all I heard from them really was, you need to grow up. And I hated that. And as all these things started to build up and as I started to kind of reflect on the life that I had, you know, the kind of promiscuous, doing what I wanted, freely going wherever I pleased life, I thought, I, I just had this massive temptation just to go, yeah, whatever, this, this whole God thing, this whole Christian thing, I don't really care about that. It's not really working for me. Maybe I should just go back to the way I was. At least, okay, it wasn't really working perfectly, but at least I could do what I wanted there. And I really struggled with that. But as I struggled with it, as I, as I kind of contemplated that decision, I realized that I had absolutely nothing to go back to. Okay, it was fun at times, but the truth is, is that it was empty, it was hollow. Well, after I kind of tasted the power of God, there was nothing that really compared to that. And I really, again, just continually struggled. And it was about that time I came across um, a verse in, in John 6, um, and it was going to come up on the screen. It's just after Jesus uh, does a teaching. It's a really kind of hard teaching where he just says, look, guys, stop doing what you're doing. You're wasting your life. Just you know, turn to me. Do, follow what I say. Trust and only in me. Don't trust in anything else. It's a waste of time. And then I lost the passage. Here we go. And then uh, after he said this, it says this. Uh, John 6 uh, from verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Sorry, one second. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. There was something about this passage that resonated with me straight away. You know, just these things, the words I have spoken to you, they are, they are the full of the spirit and of life. And the whole thing Peter said, where else am I going to go? I can't go back to where I was because that wasn't working. I can't try another thing, you know, because all I'll end up doing was continually make mistakes and struggle. Where else is there to go? There's something about you. There's something about you, Jesus, that, that works. And it's difficult and it's horrible and I don't understand it entirely, but I know I can't go anywhere else. And that's exactly where I was. As I said, I'd kind of tasted the power of God. I'd, I'd seen what it's like to pray into people's lives and but to receive that kind of growth. And I couldn't compare anything else to it. This was the fastest and best place that I was growing. And so as far as I saw it, I had kind of three options. I could either turn away from God and go back to the way I was. I could pretend uh, that I was really religious and keep on coming to church, trying to get little things and take what I needed, but then go out and do whatever I wanted in the world. Or I could surrender. And I could say, okay, this is difficult, but I'm ready to go for it. And so I did what any mature, um, kind of well-considered, logical, grown-up person would do. I spent the next year just kicking and screaming and crying and 
having a go at God in prayer, just trying to sort out my own way. I was acting like a complete child. But then as I thought about it, I thought that's exactly what I was. I was like one of those kids kind of like uh, in my bed on a, on a wintry school morning, just nice and cozy, and someone's telling me to get out of bed. And I'm like, no, I don't want to get out of bed. I'm really comfortable. But yet when I got up, when I made the effort, when I stepped out there, when I went to school, I learned stuff. It wasn't always easy, but I grew. I had fun with my friends. I played games. I, I enjoyed myself. There was something about that that was just a little bit better than just staying in that comfortable place where nothing was really happening. I held on to the absolute belief that God was for me and not against me, as we've said over the weeks. And I just tried it. I just stepped into that place. I actively pursued self-improvement and growth through praying, through reading, uh, and through giving people permission to speak into my life. Essentially, I was seeking God. I was asking God to help. I was asking God to come into my life. I was looking for life. I was looking for ways that I could grow with. And you know, it's not been easy. uh, As I said, I still struggle with some insecurities. But I can tell you, and anyone else that knows me would know that I've grown massively over the years. I've gone from not being able to hold a relationship down to, to being married. I've gone from being in a place where I'm struggling to kind of hold a conversation down to be able to... I won't say that I can have an intelligent conversation with you. I don't want to put myself out there. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm a lot less stressed. I'm a lot less worried. You know, last night, uh, just, you know, we're not doing fantastically financially, and we, we managed to receive a, a gift recently. It was fantastic. And then my car battery died last night. And I was like, oh, no, another thing. And yet, usually, I would have panicked about that. I would have worried about that. But instead, you know, we saw it as a great opportunity to walk to church on a summery day. It's really not that far from my house, but yet we always drive. Um, so things are happening. Things are growing. Things are changing. I'm not as worried. I'm not as stressed. But I'm not totally there yet either. I can happily stand here and say, Do you know what? I'm still in training. I'm still growing. And I hope that's where you guys are as well. So seeking first his kingdom is simply acknowledging that our ways are flawed and insufficient. We need a higher standard if we want to grow. We need something to aim for that's bigger and above ourselves. And there is nothing higher than God's words, the spirit of life and truth. The Bible, it gives us a higher standard that only rarely few of us can achieve to. But actually, if we aim for, you know, it's that really cheesy saying, I don't know if you've heard of it, if you shoot for the stars, you'll probably hit the moon. Um, in context, if you're shooting for the top of a skyscraper, you probably get at the first floor, that kind of thing. You know, Aim high and you'll get higher. There's something about that that just made me want to kind of go for that. So the first thing we need to do is seek God uh, to grow. The second thing is um, to to have all these things added to you, is is to become a righteous person. Now this is different from inner righteousness, which is that kind of acceptance, that forgiveness, that right standing with God, that thing inside of you that's actually totally accepted uh, when you put your trust and rely on Jesus dying on the cross. When you do that, they, you trust that he paid the price, that he took your place, that you know that you can come before God, that he has forgiven you, that there's no, there's, the debt has been canceled, that you're absolutely free. That's the inner righteousness. When you depend on that, then that is absolutely sealed. It's a done deal. And then no matter how your relationship is with God, up or down, you are still secure in that. That's the inner righteousness. But there's this outer righteousness, this change inside of us. 
It's kind of like when you take a, um, an antibiotic, you take a tablet, there's the you know, initial taking it in, okay, you've got the what's inside of you to change, but yet you're still ill on the outside to start with. There's stuff on the outside that still needs working out. You're still living destructively. You're still living in habits that aren't particularly great for you. You know, the, um, the word abuse in the dictionary simply means to use an object for a purpose of which it was not designed. So when we're living lives that are actually destructive, when we're living lives doing things that are not particularly great for us, we're nothing short of abusing ourselves. And so the challenge is to, to kind of work that out of us. So becoming a righteous person is not just seeking God, it's putting those words of life into practice and following his ways and becoming the healthiest, best version of ourselves, being godly. As Ephesians 4.22 puts it, to throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Do you know, many times we ask God to change our circumstances. We pray for that big thing to be changed, uh, whether it's a job situation that we want a better job or a relationship that's really struggling. And sometimes God does that. Sometimes he intervenes and, and makes a massive difference. But so often he wants to work in us first. A lot of the things we ask for are actually just results of the things that we change. So in the first year of relationship you know, um, with me and Tara, I, uh, I, I was slightly struggling um, just out of interest, who here has read the uh, Five Love Languages book? Okay, it's a really good book. It's basically saying that you hear and speak lang- um, love in different languages. My love languages are um, physical touch, so Tara stroking my back or something, or, and uh, words of affirmation, so her saying really nice things about me, even if they're not true. I, I feel great, you know, that, that really excites me. So I naturally presume that everyone else has these love languages. So in the first year of relationship, I, um, I spent all my time just hugging Tara and just saying really nice things uh, about her. So I would do this, you know, I'd, I'd come home from work, I've got to go out somewhere, so five minutes, pop in, give her a big hug, say some really nice things. I thought, brilliant, you know, I'm doing everything that I can do to show her how much I love her, tell her how much I love her. This didn't work, okay? Um, and she was, she was getting more and more annoyed, and she was being really graceful about it, but you could see that it wasn't working. I honestly thought for a short while that I was actually just about to marry someone who was really unaffectionate. I thought, okay, I'm just going to have to go with it. That, I honestly thought that. Until I, I kind of heard this word, this spirit of life, and, uh, this words of spirit and life and truth. The Bible that says, um, you know, husbands love your wife, not your wives. Husband, love your wife. Um, and I thought, okay, well, you know, the best thing I can do is learn how to love her. And so I picked up this book and I read it, and I suddenly dawned on me that actually Tara's love language is completely different. They're quality time and acts of service. So I thought, okay, I'm going to have to do this. So quality time, you know, prolonged, uh, deep eye contact. Not doing anything else, just, just looking at her, okay? <laughs> then she knows she's got my full attention. The other one is acts of service, so doing things like cooking. Now, if anyone knows me, cooking is not my forte. After trying that about three times and food poisoning us each and every single time, I decided that wasn't working for me. But I thought I could do the quality time thing. And so we instigated this thing called date day, where we had a date, uh, a Saturday or an evening, where we would just be me and her. We would just sit there and make eye contact. <laughs> we, would, we would just talk. I would listen. 
We would, we would not do anything else. We would just be really still. I would struggle desperately. It was the most difficult, painful thing in my life. It still is to an extent. I, I need to be doing something active. I need to be going somewhere. I need to be you know, achieving something. That's how I work. But yet, when we dedicated this time together, when we sat there and stared at each other, and <laughs> it was awkward, but Tara started to feel loved. And as Tara started to feel loved, I started to realize the relationship started to work out. I, I prayed and prayed that the relationship would just work out like that. But actually, to change our circumstances, God sometimes needs to change us first. And so that's what happened. In becoming godly, I, I first sought God. I, I seek God. I sought God. I listened to his words. I tried to get some encouragement. I tried to surround myself with people speaking truth into me. And then I put it into practice. I, was, I tried to be godly. I tried to understand what God was saying and grow with that. And God didn't need to suddenly heal my circumstances. He healed me, changed me, and as a result, the circumstances changed. Maybe that's the same with you in a job. You're really wanting the next job, but God's saying, you're not ready yet. You need to grow first. Pick up the Bible, ask people for help, and I'll talk about that in a second. Grow, and then you'll find you're ready for that job. You're probably the best person qualified for that job if you're willing to go for that growth place. And I'm sure there's so many other examples, so many, all of these things that will be given to us need to be sorted, the concern on our mind, as long as we just apply ourselves to it first of all. So in order to grow, we need to first acknowledge God's words of spirit and life. We seek God and then don't just listen to those words. We put it into practice. We be godly. Do you know, so often, and we've said it a couple of times in the series, there's absolutely no shortcuts to growth. And I've got to massively disagree with that because I don't know about you, but if you just kind of do something and then hope it will get better and then you try and learn from your mistakes and you continue to make mistakes, you don't really grow. You, you kind of adjust better, but you don't really grow. But here we have a... A book that actually tells us everything we need to know if we would just apply ourselves to understanding it and ask people to help us translate it, help people to, ask people to help us understand it, ask God through the Holy Spirit to help us understand it. Not only that, as Linda spoke with her a couple of weeks ago, if we ask people themselves to come alongside of us and help us grow, we can grow and we can effectively take that shortcut to becoming the best version of ourselves. And that's what discipline is. Discipline is essentially getting the help that you need. Through discipline, we become disciplined. It makes absolute logical sense. In other words, we become full of self-control. When we are full of self-control, we are able to choose what is good for us and resist and throw away what is bad for us. Without self-control, we're just swayed. We're all over the place, hoping that we just end up in a good place. With self-control, we're able to identify and choose rightly and wisely. But the unfortunate thing about discipline is sometimes it includes correction. Sometimes it includes someone coming alongside of you and saying, I don't think you should be doing that. Maybe you need to change that. And lovingly, I hope so. But that correction is painful for us. Because we don't like to be told we're wrong or we look bad or we're, you know, we're not doing something as well as we could. That's difficult for us to take in. But actually, it's in that place, you know, although the pain is temporary, the fruit is long-lasting. Hebrews 12, 11 says it best. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. 
We need help in order to grow. We need to read the Bible. We need to pray. We need to listen to sermons. We need to listen to talks. We need to read other books. We need to seek God. But not only that, we need to put it into practice. We need to ask people to to slowly help us, to change us, to um, adjust us, to correct us. And the best places for that, you know, there's, you, could, you could find a mentor. And there's so many great people in this church that you can ask to mentor you for a season. Not only that, you could start an accountability group. Gather two or three people and, and meet up once a week, once a month, whatever it is. And just ask people to come alongside of you and to share things you're struggling with. Not just, the, not just so you can talk about the, the things you struggle with, but so they can help you see things that you cannot see. And get to the root of it and bring healing in those places. One of the best places for this, um, other than those two, are life groups. And there's you know, life groups over there on the website. You can check out the board by the welcome desk. These are places that are absolutely fantastic. They, they are places where they help you grow and develop. Now, before I go on and talk about that a bit more, I just want to show you this absolutely hilarious clip. That um, It's about two minutes long, but it's, it's kind of the group where you'll want to go to, but probably won't help us at all. So here's the clip. That's fantastic. Who, who actually wants to be part of a group like that? Yeah. <laughs> of course you do. Um, yeah, this is a, you can find this on YouTube. It's called Shallow Small Group by um, uh, Vineyard in Boise, Idaho, which Chris and Fliss are going to later this year. Uh, it's not their group. That's not an actual real group. That's just uh, uh, <laughs> qualify that. Um, this, I mean, this is an incredibly funny video and, and probably so appropriate to what we're actually looking for half the time. But the truth is, is that it's not a place that will grow. I mean, it would be fun, and life groups are intended to be a fun place to hang out, to meet people and grow, but the truth is, is that we won't really grow in that place. Um, when we don't receive correction, we struggle, and Proverbs 12.1 puts it this way, and very frankly, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever hates correction is stupid. I think that, that pretty much puts it as straight and as down the line as possible, really. That's from the Bible. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, life groups are intended to be a fun place, as I said. You know, they're... A great place to meet people. They're a great place to hang out. But they're also a great place to grow. They're a great place to give permission for people to speak into your life in a loving, godly, kind, um, and encouraging way. It's a place where you can seek God. And I I hope Sunday morning on church is a place where you can seek God, that you can find out more about him, and that whatever group you're part of, you're able to grow an understanding of God. But it's also about putting it into practice. It's also about... Being godly. Seeking God and being godly. You know, the truth is we won't get it right all the time. As I said, this is a perfect way to live in this book. And when we understand it, we understand that there's a high standard in here. We're not being marked against this. This isn't a test. This is if you want to experience life, abundant, eternal, joyful, free, and as big as you possibly can, worry-free life, aim for this. God's not marking you against it. He's just saying, look, I'm helping you as much as I can. I'm growing you as much as I can. All you need to do is trust me. Trust that my ways, even if you don't necessarily understand them straight away, are the best ways for you. They're words of spirit and of life. Not only that, put them into practice. Be godly. Challenge yourself. Step out there. You won't always know where you're struggling, so get in people around you to help you identify that. Accept correction. Don't see it as a way of people beating you up or a way of telling you that you're doing something wrong. See it as a way to grow, to excel, to stop doing those things that mess you up. 
God's intention, he has absolutely no other agenda. God needs nothing from us. He wants nothing from us. His entire agenda, his entire intention is to help us become the best version of ourselves, to become righteous people. And he does that through all of these ways and through other people. And so the more we discipline ourselves, the more we get help uh, by placing ourselves in these relationships, the more we uh, get the help we need and the more we'll grow. Um, on that, I'm just going to invite the band back up, actually. I'm doing well for time. This is awesome. Um, yeah. I've pretty much said all that. Um, do you mind standing up and I'll pray, actually? This has been a very practical talk. Um, as I said, you know, it's not... <laughs> frankly, it wasn't the most exciting uh, subjects and developing things, but, uh, and as I said this to Karen during the week, she said, oh, I probably won't come on Sunday then. Um, but I am serious about this. If you are willing to put this into practice, whether you're fed up now with how things are difficult, how you're almost dragged down by concerns and worries, you know, this is a great thing to start putting into practice. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all those things, all those things you worry about or concerned about will be given to you. But even if life is fine at the moment, Set your standards high. Don't wait until you get into that difficult time. Step into that place now where you can grow and get ahead of the game. Take that shortcut to growth. Get the help that you need. It's not easy. I can qualify that. But you will struggle if you don't. You will struggle to see God working um, unless you're willing to be in that place where he works in you first. Let me pray. Father God, I just want to say thank you that you are a God that has no other intention other than to love us, to save us, to set us free from those things that hold us back, the things that abuse us, but also to give us that a full, abundant life. You don't promise an easy life, but you promise one full of peace if we were to trust in you. So God, I pray that you would help us, but first seek God, seek you, and be godly, be like you, and know and trust that all of these things were placed and be given to us. Father, we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.